Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I'm your host, Ashley. I hope everybody's having a good day today. Um, it's Saturday today, and it's actually really nice outside, and I've been having like a pretty good week, but I'm having an even better week because I've got a special guest today. Um, I've got Dr. Chandra Smallwood. Welcome to the podcast, Chandra. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm happy to have you here. I'm really excited. Um, Dr. Chandra Smallwood is a pharmacist for, and you have been for about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an anxiety coach and she's been managing anxiety uh, is for about 20 years herself. So I'm really excited to get into uh, this conversation with her today. Um, before we get into it, y'all know we have to get into the icebreakers. So we got to learn a little bit about who you are, where you're from. We don't need your social security number, but we do want to ask you some funny questions um, okay. and just kind of like, you know, get this to know up. you. Yeah. <laughs> so we got three minutes and then you just kind of like say whatever is the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. All right. What's your favorite sandwich and why? My favorite sandwich. Yes. Um, like what's on your, like if you, you're creating your own sandwich, what's on it? It's probably a turkey club with lots of salt and pepper. Oh, salt and pepper, no cheese, no nothing. Mayo? Yeah, like like <laughs> not just salt and pepper. <laughs> like a turkey. like turkey, salt, pepper. Don't turkey. put anything else on my sandwich. <laughs> turkey, bacon, tomato, spinach, salt, pepper, probably a fried egg. Oh, that egg on a sandwich is so different. Oh my right? gosh, right? Oh. On toast. Yeah. Oh, on toast. Yes. Okay. I'm like such a morning, um, like a breakfast sandwich person. <laughs> yeah, same. I'll eat a breakfast sandwich for lunch and dinner, like real quick. <laughs> um, if you were famous, what would you be famous for? Ooh, if I was famous, what would I be famous for? I would be famous for... Look, helping women with anxiety because that is my that it's it's my passion right now. Also, I would be famous for starting um, a sparkle water brand for my baby girl. Her name is Ocean. It would be called Ocean's Water, Ocean something. But she calls sparkling water sparkle water. Oh, I love that. I've definitely been in restaurants like, can I have a sparkle water? No, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Sparkle water by Ocean right I like that I like that name too that's a pretty name yeah like um thank you um sparkle water for kids yeah sparkle water for kids because kids would drink sparkle water not sparkling but sparkle water for right. sure exactly. I like that I like that no calories <laughs> no sugar yes yes mm-hmm. get the kids right early <laughs> um okay what city are you living in right now I'm currently living in Inglewood California 
Okay, shout out to Inglewood. Are you from Inglewood or are you living there at the moment? No, I've been in LA County for since um, 2000. I'm, oh, but I'm from California, but from okay. the Inland Empire. Okay, so you can you can claim you can claim LA then. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been <laughs> you put in your time. You're good. <laughs> yeah, I came here for college. I've been here ever since. Okay, okay. If you had your own late night talk show, who is going to be your first guest? Ooh, right now it would be Nia Long because I would need to know all the tea. On all the tea. Man. And she's so gorgeous. Yeah, like I feel like um, it's been a long month for her. Or maybe it hasn't. Like I kind of feel like maybe she's just handling everything really well. She just doesn't give a shit. And she's just like, you know what? On to the next. Because, right. you know. Don't you want to know? Like, like what did you already know? Like, yeah, maybe yeah. she did. Maybe they had an agreement and it just came out. Also, that could be yeah, exactly. You know? They might have had an agreement, and the public just found out. She was like, "Dang, really, man? It was good. It was good before y'all came in." <laughs> right, Life no, was good. Like, leave him, leave him. <laughs> and she's like, "No, but this is great. Like, this is what we agreed on." <laughs> um, if you, um, if a movie was like. Uh, if somebody created a movie of your life, what genre would it be? Like a comedy, a drama, like action? <laughs> a dramedy, a romance, it was a documentary. <laughs> it would be a dramedy slash romance, probably. Because mm. <laughs> I've been like a, a serial, like a long-term dater. Mm. Like serial monogamist. <laughs> exactly that that's been my life yeah okay I like that I'd watch it <laughs> okay. um if you could have a conversation um with somebody from your past who would you have it with and why like someone who's dead dead alive anybody Um, I mean, someone that's still in my life. That's fine. Um, probably my dad. Um, yeah. my parents are still married and I see him quite often, but there was a very like tumultuous time in our life. And I would like to have redone that. Like a time something bad happened and I basically stopped talking to him. Mm. for a couple like at least a year and we were living in the same house and I did not speak to him wow and I um we started talking because I for Christmas I gave him a present and I I wrote a letter and basically told him I was moving out and I was going to college mm -hmm. and yeah so I mean if I mean at that time I think I was like 18 so it's it's all in the beginning of my book too it's very mm. very emotional but <laughs> at the beginning of your drama comedy dr dramedy or your romance yes my my educational dramedy romance which is my anxiety book yes <laughs> yeah so if i was older and more mature i would have definitely had a conversation with him yeah i feel that um do you prefer coffee or tea tea what kind of tea are you drinking because i know we're both drinking tea this is an english breakfast from Trader Joe's. Oh, oh so okay. Good. You put milk in it? No. No? No. Okay. I, 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 If I, I drink chai tea a lot, so I put oh, milk in that. 
but my English, my regular caffeinated tea, I just like it regular with sugar. Yeah. I grew up drinking that, but with milk. Um, and then lo and behold, I'm actually lactose intolerant. So I've been messing my, my whole body up for years. Girl, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I drink oat milk. Oh, I drink oat uh, I love oat milk. I love oat milk. Okay. Last question. Um, what's, what's one thing we don't know about you that you want people to know? Um, I, okay. So I like to work out. And so when I go to the gym, I would see the weights and they always looked like ugly and dirty. Like, you know, like the dumbbells. Yeah. Like the old ones that look kind of like, like rough, like they've been scraped. Right. They're just, they're usually just black and everything. So I actually paint dumbbells. Really? Let me show you one. I'm actually painting one for my old fitness instructor right now. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. Yeah, so the base is this like Tiffany blue. I mean, I haven't finished it. And then I've like, this is like a, I don't know, like a spongy. It's supposed yeah. to look like kind of like sky. Like a creamy. Kind of. mm-hmm. I love that. That's such a good idea. And it looks so cute. How did, so was that just because like you saw that, like you, you didn't like the way they looked and you just started painting them for people? Well, I want to, my ultimate goal would to have a black owned fitness equipment manufacturing company. And I think like women, like we like nice things. You like custom things. Yeah. You know, we like, you like to get, buy something new and wear it, you know? So that's what I think. I think like, Hey, if someone has, especially women, if someone has something beautiful to pick up, maybe let us pick it up more. I mean, it's a weight. It's all about picking it up. Right. Yes, honestly, so, girl, if you, you paint a kettlebell, I will buy it. Like that, I'm going to do kettlebells, yeah. I love that. Oh, well, let me know. My mom's a director of group fitness at a big, huge gym in Las Vegas. So let me know. So once you start yeah, that company. I'm sorry. also <laughs> making, um, I don't know. I don't have a patent on this yet, but I'm Okay, making- don't give out the secrets now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, making, I'm making something else. Like I can't get a patent on painting weights because anyone can paint a weight, but I'm I'm actually making something to go with the weight. Okay. I love it. When you're ready and you got all your stuff situated, come back and tell us some more. Cause I, yeah. that's awesome. I think um, I love working out too. And I think uh, that's such a cute idea. I love that. I've never, really? like you showed me, I was like, oh, I've never Didn't seen you just love to like, just pick these up. Yeah. And it's a big, it looks like a big heavy weight because what I hated yeah. is those little yeah. rubber weights. And they were only like pink and blue at five pounds and two pounds. And then you get to the metal weights at like eight pounds. That's it. Yeah. I have some um, three pounds that I've been painting too. Cause it's really easier to paint the smaller ones. Cause I'm yeah, carrying I'm sure. them. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well um, you got to keep us on the loop on that one. Keep me in the loop. I will for sure. Um, okay. So we're going to get into our mind games segment. So, our mind game segment is basically where I give everybody listening the definition of a mental health disorder um, or mental health illness, and they get to guess. You don't get to guess because you probably know what it is. Maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the episode, we'll come back to it and give everybody the answer. Okay. Sounds good. That's cute. Okay. I like that. Yay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today's mind games question. This particular disorder 
is known as a body integrity identity disorder. It's categorized by the overwhelming desire to amputate healthy parts of the body. Not much is actually known about this disorder, uh, but it's believed to be neurological. Those affected may actually attempt to amputate their own limbs or damage the limbs so that surgical amputation is necessary. This may be related to uh, the right parietal lobe in the brain. Um, This condition is challenging to people because uh, people experiencing it don't often seek treatment. Uh, However, with uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, aka CBT, and aversion therapies uh, can be attempted in order to treat this particular body integrity identity disorder. So I thought this was really interesting. I actually saw like a reality show a long time ago. Um, I always love like those reality shows about people that had like certain phobias or certain obsessions. And this particular one was about somebody that wanted to get their arm like chopped off and they kept going to doctor after doctor saying like, I need this taken off. Like, I need you to cut it off for me. Um, and I think that person had talked to somebody had done the same thing, but, um, yeah, put in your guesses. If you're on Spotify, go ahead and type in what you think your guess is in the little spot below. Um, feel free to, you know, talk and discuss what you, what you think the guess is, but at the end of the episode, we'll come back and I'll tell you what it is. I'll give you a hint. It's a very long word. (laughs) that I might butcher, but it's okay. (laughs) All right. So let's get into, uh, Chandra, let's talk a little bit about your background. So you're a pharmacist and newly an anxiety coach. And I want to talk a little bit about like how you started your journey into the pharmacy world. Like what inspired you to become a pharmacist? Was that kind of always your plan or did you stumble into it? Um, no. So when I was in kindergarten, I would tell people, I want to be a human factors computer physiologist. Excuse me, you said that in kindergarten? Yes. That is impressive. I don't know why I was thinking about work when I was that age. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, what was happening? (laughs) I don't know. I remember having this book, I think because my parents bought me a book on careers and I was scrolling through it. And these, this person made a hundred thousand dollars and that's, that's all I can remember the name and the salary. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that job probably doesn't exist anymore anyway, because at that time there were no computers. Right. Sounds so old. Um, (laughs) Back in the day, (laughs) the beginning of time when there was no computers. (laughs) Nobody even knew what Wi-Fi was. Not even dialogue. Jesus is walking the earth now. (laughs) Dinosaurs were crossing the street. (laughs) Right. Before the the start of time. Okay, so (laughs) they were to help people who were scared of computers to like, you know, to get into it. To be able to use them. Wow. (laughs) So um, my mom is a nurse. Well, she's retired now, but she worked at Caremark, which is now CVS Caremark, um, a home infusion company. And she worked with lots of pharmacists. And I always liked helping people. And I was always like big into science. So when I was in junior high or something, high school, I don't know, she took me to a pharmacy school for like this, um, like, you know, you go to colleges and they give you information, you just go in. And I was sitting here super young, 
And, you know, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And as I like went through college, I really, really liked like the like molecular biology, like the way things affect the body, like enzymes and hormones. Like it really is super interesting. Um, so it just kind of, it just kind of kept rolling, but it's, it definitely kind of started with her and then having a career where you start off with a good amount of money, <laughs> like yes. the human factors computer physiologist. <laughs> so yes, but definitely start out with her influence. Oh, that's awesome. That it was, so I'm guessing your mom is really excited that you are a pharmacist at this point. I think so. Yeah. My mom is very very chill but <laughs> like yeah my daughter's a yeah she was very know. helpful like throughout the whole process um so yes thank you mom <laughs> yeah shout out to the moms out there that's awesome so was there anything any particular aspect of being a pharmacist that surprised you um It's not that anything about being a pharmacist surprised me because in, in pharmacy school, like, you know, you learn a lot, a lot of clinical stuff. Mm-hmm. Like pharmacy school is, I mean, it's different from medical school, but you learn like similar things. Like you go through the body, you go through the different organ systems and how medications affect them and things like that. But when you actually get into like the pharmacy world, it's like really big business. So you have to, there's a lot of that to think about. And, and there's none of that like in pharmacy school, like there's no, you know, like KPIs and um, mm. different quotas and things like that. So that to me was kind of like, wow, <laughs> like mm. you're kind of selling things, even though you're kind of not, um, you know, you, you have to speak about things in a certain way and, you know, really be careful about things like there's lots of laws. Um I'm so sure yeah, so that was kind of surprising to me. I was like, this should be combined with like an MBA. Really? To like, that extent? Yeah, like yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. I there's I a mean, lot of I, metrics. Wow. I I guess I'm su- I'm surprised and I've been really I, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um mostly to kind of get an understanding because from the from an outsider looking in. Yeah. I feel like, uh, and maybe this is just where I grew up in my community, but I feel like pharmacists were more hands-on back in the day. That's kind of how I felt. Like growing up, you go, I remember like you go through the drive-thru, you go inside, and when you pick up a medication, particularly if it was a new medication, there was like a like a little mini consultation that you had to have mm-hmm. um, where they asked, you know, like, what other medications are you taking you know, they would tell you about like some of the warnings, like don't go into the sun with this medication or don't drive, you know, with this medication, don't combine it or make sure you eat something. And I felt like there was always like a five to 10 minute consultation. And um, I just don't, my own experience, that doesn't happen anymore. So I find myself doing my own research, like I'll get the medication, I'll go home and go on Google and be like, okay, these are the side effects that I should look for. I shouldn't, you know, I feel like I'm kind of doing that on my own now. Do you find that that is kind of where the profession has gone or is that just kind of dependent on where you go? Well, that's, there's, there's yes and no. So yes, I agree with you because like I um, managed a community pharmacy for six years. I worked in community pharmacy for 10 years 
So, yes, like I was in South Central for a lot of the time. And since I was with a lot of black people, Hispanic people, like people of lower socioeconomic status, like I felt a need to as the manager, I felt a need to make sure they understood what was happening. So I would make that time to talk to them like consultations are definitely a part of our job. And it's actually probably one of the best parts of our job because, you know, that's the only time we really get to talk about like the clinical stuff, which is kind of fun. But the corporate world has made it to where like I might be the only pharmacist, you know, for five hours or something like that. And, you know, that means I have to check all the medications. I have to do all the pharmacist calls and then I have to counsel. And, you know, if anyone has an issue, you have to do that. So it's kind of like, you know, do you have to prioritize certain things? Cause that sometimes they're like, okay, well, you have to, you know, you have to do these patient calls and there's lists of calls. Like you want to call people to come in for vaccination. You want to call people, you want them to pick up their medication because they need to pick up their medication within like seven days for it to count, like in our metrics. Oh, um, that's why Walgreens is always blowing me up all the time. <laughs> Like right. they call me twice a day. Are you going to pick up your medication? Yeah, I'm coming uh, tomorrow. <laughs> well, not today. Yes. Tomorrow. <laughs> and what happens is the company generates a list of patients whose medications have been sitting there for however long. Because after 14 days, we legally have to return them. But oh. it's kind of like time wasted and money wasted if we return them, especially people who have lots of medications. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so on the 14th day, we're not allowed because because you're insurance is being billed so after 14 days we have to stop that billing and put it back oh okay so so that's i mean it's it's not all bad it's just like the metrics really are to help people Mm. but it's also it's, it's very like intrusive as well like they want like when people like say you got a medication like a maintenance medication i mean i'm just for example like say high blood pressure or Mm -hmm. something like that so the first time you pick it up, like the pharmacist will know this is the first time the patient has picked it up. So that that is supposed to be an automatic counsel. Like by law, we're supposed to counsel you on your first medication, or at least ask you if you want to counsel. It's supposed to be offered. You can always decline, mm. but we offer it. But then there, we need to have a conversion rate. So we need to convert, which means you came back to pick up a refill. So there's another list for that. These are people who had new medications. You know, we want them to pick up their refill. And the more people that do pick up their refill, it's like another metric. Mm. So even though it's a good thing, it can be, it, it it feels, sometimes it feels very businessy to the pharmacist. And then get your mind out of the, you know, I'm here to help people and talk about preventive health because that's what I'm really into. And that's what I know people need. But I also have to satisfy these metrics because it's my job. Because it's a business. Man, that, yeah. it sounds like a sales-ish position. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was kind of like, that that, that can be hard. Mm. I can and imagine, like, especially if you're entering, kind of thinking, oh, I'm really going to like be helping people and talking to people. Yeah. And that's going to be my main focus. But now you have all these other focuses that you have to deal with while also still trying to like help people. Right, exactly. And then any kind of education like you do, like new drugs come out pretty often. Like you really don't have the time at work to really do like the research on them. So that's something you have to do at home, which is fine. Like, you know, it's our career. So you're passionate about doing that. But 
you still have like you know you have a life like people have kids and mm-hmm. husbands and cook dinner and dogs and stuff so it can be a, it gets a little difficult because you want to have the education time at work but then the business makes it very hard for that yeah it's not really but making room for, for I do want to say that how you feel is how people have been feeling so the industry is kind of responding and they're changing like um for instance some of the chains have now made health hubs and so what their what their plan is and what they've done in some like some places is take like add another pharmacist or add a couple more and then take one of them out of the pharmacy and put them in the aisle so that they're more available like for questions and consultations so that okay. they're not multitasking as much cuz the multitasking is is really hard and it's really dangerous you know what I mean mm-hmm. um so yeah so I mean and I think they did one of the models somewhere in Florida but yeah so the pharmacist is going to start moving out of the pharmacy which I think will be great for the future yeah that would be awesome to actually like talk to the pharmacist because that's the other thing sometimes I don't think I'm talking to the pharmacist um and sometimes I am going to pick up something new but I've also like maybe started a new supplement and I'm not quite sure and then I like the person giving me the medication I think is a tech because I see the person in the white coat kind of like pacing behind them. <laughs> so I'm like, why well, I'm not going to ask this person. And this person clearly looks busy. So I, I'll just cross my fingers and take both at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see no, what happens. No. no, talk to them. Talk to them. Especially if, because I mean, a lot of times people like the, the technician may ask, do you want a consultation? They'll be like, I don't need no consultation. It's, you know, it's just a medication. So it's kind of nice to know that people want consultations at times. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I will take all the consultations. Yeah. I have, I'll probably be the person in the aisle asking five questions like, okay, I'm also taking this. And then if I like, what can I mix this? With? What can I not mix? Do I need to go to bed early? But no, that's really cool. I, um, I think I've only seen like a couple of black pharmacists. So I think it's awesome that um, that you're a pharmacist and that people in communities of color, particularly black communities, are able to see somebody behind the counter with the white coat on that also looks like them, that can understand them, that can, you know, you don't feel like somebody is kind of like speaking to you in a different language a little bit. Yeah. Um so yeah, I appreciate the work that you're doing. If somebody hasn't told you already, I'm giving you your flowers now. <laughs> it's actually Pharmacy Appreciation Week this week, October. It is? Yes. Dang. Do I have time to release this episode tomorrow for oh. Pharmacy Appreciation <laughs> Week? <laughs> okay, I won't rush it. No. But no, that's awesome. I didn't even know that. So that's good to know. I noted for next year. Next year, I'll be doing all the weeks and special months. This year, I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> that's really cool. So yes perfect timing we appreciate you um shout out to all the black pharmacists out there um the work you're doing very necessary representation is needed um so let's talk a little bit about um ssris and the the gamut of medication that's used for things like anxiety and depression and just mental health and mental wellness um as a farm, as a pharmacist, is there, is it ever, <clears throat> excuse me, do you ever have interactions with patients where you feel like their dosage should change, or maybe they've relayed to you that certain things have happened and the dose should change, and then like 
I guess I'm kind of asking like, what power do you have or what responsibilities do you have within that relationship? And do you ever like pull in the, the prescribing doctor or mm-hmm. NP? Yeah, um, we'll for sure let them know. Like if we have, like a lot of times when people have um, psych medication, they want to talk, you know, because I mean, psych medications do a lot to people and they don't, they, they really don't know why. So they always, they have questions. Um, but if someone, like say if someone's on an SSRI, but they're like, they say, hey, I've, I've had, you know, had a panic attack or something like that. Or I'll speak to someone, like say people come in new and a lot of time they get prescribed um, benzodiazepines, which is like Ativan, like Xanax, things like that, which are like, um, what do I want to say? What's the word? The, the highly addicting. And they really, really, really work like really, really well. But it's kind of like, like people talk, like tell me their story and everything like that. And a lot of times people have gone through something like that's traumatic or someone, you know, someone died recently. They, they're having financial issues. And a lot of times that's when it's like, well, there needs to be some, some CBT, some cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. therapy, because psych medicines are really supposed to be used with CBT. Like it's really important. Like most of the guidelines are for a, a temporary, a temporary supply. So even mm-hmm. something like an SSRI, when people have like depression or anxiety, because they're used for depression and anxiety. Um, and sorry, Chandra, I just want to pause real quick. I, I want to be mindful of anybody that doesn't know what um, an SSS, SSS, SSRI is. Can you just give us just like a little nugget of like, what is an SSRI? Yeah, it's, SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Um, serotonin is a neurotransmitter in our brain that makes us feel happy and um, joyful, things like that. So it sits on receptors, but when it sits on receptors, it also is taken out of our brain. So we have less of it. So um, when we take the medication, it allows more serotonin to like be available mm-hmm. and it makes us feel, feel better. Um, and they're usually, they're, they're under the classification of antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. Um, and they're, they're one of like the first medications to be given. Usually if someone, you know, needs a boost. Right. Like and people go- are very familiar with like Prozac. Yes. It's been around a long time. Yeah. Like I know when I think of SSR, I think of like Prozac, Xanax. I don't think, I think Vicodin is a pain drug, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft. Yeah. Um, Those are maybe about the three most common. Okay. Um, As far as SSRIs, what are some of the less known side effects of some of those like most popular SSRIs that that you just mentioned, like the Zoloft, the Paxils, those? Um, Less known. Well, I I don't know what's most commonly known, but one of the things that I don't think people realize is the change in sexual function. Because mm, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, that's something that's come up 
a couple of times on the podcast that people just, they were given the medication and they didn't know that that would be a, an issue. And then it's become an issue within their relationships and they didn't know why. It was just like, something's wrong with me, not realizing the connection between the medication they've been prescribed. Yes. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because, I mean, when you're on the medications, you can't just like, I mean, you can stop it, but you'll probably go with, into withdrawal. Um, and people are in relationships. People are married. Yeah. You know, you, like your libido is down. Like you can't climax. Yeah. Your partner's like, what is happening? Do you love me? It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That is but, so... Does anybody like come to you? I mean, I'm sure people have come to you and like said, why is this? Why is it like if somebody's going, um, going through that same situation, do they come to you and say like, can you recommend a different medication or do they have to go back to their prescribing doctor? Um, they would, but we can like, de depend on how easy the doctors are to get in touch with like we will call them and let them know or we will send them a message like through the patient's chart mm -hmm. um because we can send them e-messages so if someone has an issue like with a medication like it's not working or it's too strong or they're you know ssris like have a lot of nausea and vomiting for some people mm. um, there's a lot of reasons why they kind of start off in smaller doses and move up um so say if that's a big deal we will let the the doctor know because it really goes to like, we want people to take the medication if they need it. So if yeah. someone's not going to take it, then, you know, it's like, it, it's what's not the point? Yeah. Yeah. What, what is the point? So yes, if, if a, if a patient has a big problem, we will definitely let the office know. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. And that's as far as working as a pharmacist and anxiety like obviously people are being treated with anxiety medications it has working like how has working as a pharmacist like behind the counter has it changed your views about anxiety at all or about the effects that it has on like different communities changed it well when i i mean it was working in the pharmacy was kind of a big part of my anxiety journey like mm. I've had crazy anxiety in the pharmacy because of the stress and everything um when looking at like patients come in I think talking to people who are like elderly it makes me think of when we get older and we get and we're kind of more alone um, and we have like anxiety and, and mental issues, like they have dementia and things like that. It, it tends to be a lot. It makes you really, really, really think about like the health that we have now and how we can try to maintain that. Um, cause it's one thing for someone young to have anxiety and they have a whole like support system, you know, and people that love them or they may get through it. But it's another thing for someone who doesn't have much and is older to get through it on their own, you mm. know, when things are starting to like break down, not work as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's a great point to make. Cause I don't think we talk about, and I probably need to do a better job talking about um, anxieties effect across all ages particularly like with the older population and like you mentioned, not having like the same support systems as before, 
is I know you you also mentioned that your anxiety in particular has kind of gone up with this with the career that you have. So did you recognize immediately? Like I'm I know like be you being a pharmacist. I would assume you're like, oh, that, that's what that thing that I'm experiencing is. Or did it kind of like creep into, into your life? Um, it, it crept into my life, like in college mm-hmm. and like my, I mean, to this day, I remember my first panic attack, like it was yesterday. Like mm-hmm. I remember even the setting of the room. It was New Year's 2000. And I was with my boyfriend at the time. We were in our apartment and we were staying in and it hit midnight. And there were like, there was like someone with a shotgun, like right outside the window. And I had a panic attack and I thought I was going to die. Like I was saying over and over, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Cause all I could feel was like inside. It was like, my heart was racing, but it was, it was, it was like on going up a mountain mm. and like, it like hit a peak and it just, it was like an explosion. Like it just stopped, but it was like crazy. I was like, Oh my God, am I okay? And then like, I felt cool. Um, and I, I mean, I had them for a long time ever since. I mean, I haven't had one in a while now, but when it came to, so that was like the beginning, I was in college, it was my freshman year of college um when I started working in South Central I didn't know I was going to become pharmacy manager it was kind of like hey guess what it's like okay (laughs) and I mean it's it's kind of a hard market um there's a lot of um homeless people you know a lot of lower socioeconomic status status is all like all over the place and a lot of um, Medicare, Medi-Cal, like 99% of my patients were Medi-Cal patients, which you know, is government insurance. They don't pay. If they have to pay, you know, it's an issue. They switch over to Medicare. Their copay is a dollar. I think when I left, it was like a dollar twenty-five. Um, it goes up every year. And it's just like it, it can be stressful. These people are on limited budgets. And it's like my job to make sure that they understand the medication, they know what it is, but also we need to make sure that we're getting the medications that are covered by their insurance. Yes. That can be a lot. Um, So sometimes that's what we do most of the day is we're sending messages back and forth to the doctor, like, Hey, medication is not covered. We need to change, you know, or trying to finagle the insurance system in some kind of way. Um, with different different drugs if you but, could oh go ahead go ahead Trevor oh <laughs> I was gonna say it it, it just it just is a, it's a lot you know it's a lot if you're the only person working like as a pharmacist at that time sometimes there would be two or three of us um but it's a lot because you want to do good work and everything but you're like oh my god I'm doing right now I'm multitasking like six things and I'm I'm kind of losing it a little bit yeah so, so how I, did you deal with had, that well like I was having panic attacks in the pharmacy sometimes like once I even called the ambulance um I really did started doing a, a lot of research like 
I Googled, like when I first started, I, I would Google, felt like I was going to die. Mm. And so when you look at um, like anxiety, like online, it'll say a sense of impending doom. And, you know, just a lot of fear and worry. And honestly, I started breathing. I started with breathing techniques. That really helped. Like at first I was like, stupid. <laughs> yeah, I but, felt the same way too. Like breathing, but it, it, that, it really helps. It's, it, yes, yes, it really helps. It induces your parasympathetic system, which is your rest and digest system to kick in and kick out the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight. So it really, 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 really helps. Um, so anybody questioning the science behind breathing, <laughs> Dr. Shandra just told us <laughs> it actually works. It actually works and it, your whole nervous system, it's like a chef's kiss to your nervous system. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, this is deep diaphragmatic belly breathing. Like, um, one of the breathing techniques that I teach people is like a four, 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 like inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds. And there are lots of breathing techniques, but I think four, 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 I mean, everyone can remember that. Yeah. And it's not too daunting. So can you, can um, you put us through that breathing technique real quick? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, version? sure. Okay. So we, you need to, you can stand, you can do it standing, sitting, laying down anywhere, but I find that sitting is easiest for me. So um, you want to sit somewhere comfortable, kind of back straight. Um, you can, if you want, like to make it easier for someone who's maybe just starting, like keep a hand on their chest and then a hand on their belly. So when you inhale, you're inhaling and you want your belly to come out, to protrude. So the air, you know, is going through your belly. Um, and then you want to hold and then exhale slowly and or through pursed lips if that helps. So. And pursed lips oh. is like your kiss, you're kind of like blowing air out, mm -hmm. but you're like trying to look cute doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, so we can do it. So we can inhale for four. Oh, sorry. Inhale through your nose, close your mouth. Okay. So one, two, three, okay. Hold for four. And exhale slowly for four. Like filling your stomach, go back in as you yeah. breathe. It takes practice. So anyone that doesn't already do breathing techniques, I would practice, um, but it's really, really helpful. And you want to do it, you want to try to do it maybe three times in a row, three, four times in a row, and you should feel better. If not, keep on breathing. Yeah. Does that, so does that help you? Do you do that when, at the point where you're like, oh, I feel a panic attack coming, like I need to do my breathing techniques? I does will. If yeah. I feel a panic attack coming, one of the first things I do is like, that's more of like when I already, when it's already there or, or I have that, sometimes you have like a mild level of anxiety. So I'll do the breathing to help with that. But if I feel a panic attack coming on, the first thing I'm going to do is go to cold water. Really? Cold water or ice. Yes. It's, um, the vague, it's a vagal response, like from your, your vagus nervous system. Is the longest nerve in the rear body. It um, it 
well starts off obviously up here and it goes through all like it covers like a lot of your organs and it goes through like a big tree and one of the ways so when you tone it like there are different ways to tone it like a whole bunch but one of the ways to tone it is um by the cold like if you were to google or youtube like people call it icing or like dipping like people will dip their head into cold water which is crazy extreme <laughs> i'm like how far do i need to go into the cold water <laughs> right how long do i need to stay there <laughs> um to put like ice here or even sometimes I oh, for anybody it. listening sorry so when she says here she's pointing to like her neck the top of her oh, chest sorry. like like rubbing the ice a little bit yeah uh-huh okay or even sometimes like sometimes i get anxious in planes mm-hmm. so i always make sure to have water with me and i'll pour it on my hands because it kind of cools them down mm-hmm. and then i will like hold my neck or touch my chest oh just to kind of like dampen it a little bit mm-hmm and that really, really helps. Oh. It helps a lot. Like um, it's it's recommended sometimes for people who are like going through a time where they're having a lot of panic attacks to just keep ice with them and just use really? it anywhere that um, feels better. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the idea. The other day I saw a TikTok and somebody, um, they were talking about taking a piece of ice whenever they felt um, a panic attack coming on and putting it on the roof of their mouth. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting because Okay, weird thing that I do in the mornings, like I am not a morning person. I hate waking up early. Like, please don't talk to me until like nine. (laughs) But what I'll do is like, I have like an electric toothbrush. And years ago, I read somewhere that if I brush the top of my mouth, the roof of my mouth, it'll help wake me up. So on the days where I'm really, really tired and I can't wake up, like I brush my teeth and then I'll like brush the top of my mouth for like three seconds and it just... It feels like a whole, like, like my body gets like a mini electrocution, like, whoop. Oh, <laughs> and it wakes that. me up. So I, I love the ice thing because I like uh, tactile things that help with anxiety because it feels like, it feels like it's accomplishable, Accom- doable, <laughs> Accompli- accomplishable, doable. Yeah. It feels like it's very doable and something that is like an easy thing to remember. So like, I love, I'm going to try this ice uh, tactic that you're using because that is something I could just like go downstairs and just grab or just have in a cup and just like rub my chest and maybe like my hands and yeah. get that kind of like immediate tactile feeling of like, okay your actual nervous system is responding to it so that's that's really really cool yeah it's good stuff I'm telling you I've, I've done many a cold shower really <laughs> yeah so do you, do you use, cause I used to do, there's a point where I think I'd read about cold showers helping with anxiety and also helping you. Like, I think I did it for like 30 days to help create a good habit. Um, and it wasn't like a long cold shower. It was like a two to three minute cold shower and then I'd switch it to warm, but the cold like helped. Um, how do you use a cold shower in terms of like helping your anxiety out? Um, really, I use the cold shower because I used to wake up sometimes in a panic attack late at night, like three o'clock in the morning. And it was like my eyes would go open. I would I wouldn't I know my heart is beating fast. And so that's where I would go. The first place I would go was into the shower. Um, Because for me, 
for me, continuing to lay there, it felt like my heart was beating off the bed and just like mm. vibrating harder. So I, I always had to get up. And then sometimes I would get up and I would just move around and I would kind of like make it worse. Cause I was like, okay, okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm trying to like think positive and everything, but going to the shower, I would just sit there in the cold water. Yeah. And it oh. would usually go away. Yeah. Pretty quickly. I, that's such, yeah. If, if anybody tries this, please reach out to me, DM me, let me know, like, if this is helpful I would love to know your experiences. Leave me a little voice note because I would love to share, but um, I'm definitely going to try this. Yesterday, my anxiety was like so high. It was also like paired with me being very tired and like having a lot of things to do. Um, sometimes like work can mess with my anxiety or my anxiety just just doing what it's doing with no triggers. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was sitting like sitting at my desk and it's, I get that feeling what you said, like your heart is beating and beating and it just feels like there's no, it doesn't calm down. It's just like, you have to move to get that feeling out of you kind of, I don't know. It's like your heart is beating yeah. way faster than what your body needs it to be. Yeah. What do you yeah. usually do? Um, well, yesterday I went and took a walk and like I took a walk and I like took my Crocs off and I just walked barefoot okay. and grounding. it may sound weird, but yeah, grounding is a big yeah. thing for me. Um, yeah. Shout out to my friend, Eloria. She's the one that taught me about grounding a long time ago because um, she used to be like, I like, I'm just going to go outside and walk barefoot. And like when I was growing up, you just don't walk around like barefoot <laughs> outside. <laughs> And I was like, girl, you walk around barefoot outside? She's like, yeah, do it. It feels good. Like you're connected. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. Um, That's probably my first thing is like getting outside. If I can't get outside or even when I'm outside, um, I had a friend of mine a while ago that told me to find five green things. And that's something that helps me a lot. Like if I know my anxiety is just getting to a point where it's like I almost want to just like burst into tears, but I'm not really sure why because I'm so uncomfortable in my body. And it's like I can feel my nervous system. I can feel my stomach crunching up. But finding five green things in, in a room or wherever I'm at helps me kind of reconnect to the space. And it helps my brain not focus on the anxiety so much. So yesterday I went and I took a walk. I walked barefoot. Um, I looked for green things, which is not hard in Florida. And it started to help and like sat on a bench, started crying. And then like, that was a whole thing. But yeah, just for me getting outside, grounding myself and like finding five green things are probably my go-to when it's really, really bad. I do a webinar and one of the um, ways to help with like mental health emotions it's really about emotional triggers but is to like invoke a presence of nature mm. like it actually increases your dopamine which is like your reward center in your brain um so yeah it's really good like like sometimes if i'm like i used to get anxious a lot when i drove so i would do the same type of thing like i would drive and i would just make sure to pay attention to all the plants or flowers that i saw i would just focus on those and like it would make you know it would help 
or sometimes I would I could would just before I used to close my eyes but now I can just picture it like my relaxing place is like a big field of flowers Mm. so I keep that that's just like always in my mind it's like all that's like the wallpaper in my brain um and that was really helpful for me as well I love that. And I know you said that um, that's something that you focus on in one of your webinars. And I want to get into kind of you're an anxiety coach now. Uh, so how do how did this transition happen? Obviously, we've talked a little bit about the anxiety that you've gone through personally. But kind of how did you make this transition into like, OK, I'm a pharmacist. Now I want to actually start start helping people with their own anxiety outside of uh, or, you know, outside of being behind the counter. Now I want to get like in front of people. So when in COVID, I had my baby, I had my COVID baby in March. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, She's really, really great. Well, you know, people love their kids, but. (laughs) Girl, not everybody. That's that's not always. Yeah. Not, not everybody. (laughs) Reaction. (laughs) But um, I. So I, so, okay. So through my pregnancy, I had a great pregnancy. Like I didn't have any, like, I was just, I, I was kind of scared through my pregnancy. Cause I was like, well, I'm pregnant, but I had a great pregnancy. Like I didn't ever have nausea. Like I didn't have any high blood pressure, no diabetes, no nothing. Everything was always great. Yeah. Um, until I gave birth and then everything kind of came crashing down in a way. So mm-hmm. when I was pregnant, like I was really into like, the maternal like death rate and for black women you know how it's crazy how it's higher in the united states than it is in other countries that Mm -hmm. have way less resources than we have like i was watching stories and i was super nervous girl i feel you i'm (laughs) trying to get pregnant i don't know if i've mentioned that on this podcast before but i've been trying for a long time and um haven't been pregnant yet but that's something that scares me and something i read about often um, and research often because it helps to know, but it's also a really scary thing to think like, man, I could go in, I could finally get pregnant. And then what if, you know, all the what ifs start happening and you see like black maternal, uh, the, the black maternal death rate uh, when it comes to black women being pregnant and either not surviving or the babies not surviving or people just neglecting them throughout the pregnancy is really, really high. I don't mean to be like a Debbie Downer right now, but it is really high and it's a reality for us. And it's a reality when practitioners don't listen to us and don't believe us when we say something is wrong. um, And then don't take care of us like they would somebody else. So like your, your concerns were completely valid and are till this day. Yeah. So like after I gave birth, like a week later, it was COVID. So I wasn't really like into people coming to see the baby, but I had to have my parents because I didn't know what I was doing with the baby. Yeah. Um. So my parents came, my, um, like I said, my mom's a nurse and like a week after I gave birth, like it was like my heart was beating slow, but hard, like mm. really, really, really hard. I was like, I don't, I feel like something's not quite right. And my mom's like, okay, well, let me listen to your heart. 
So she got her stethoscope. She listened to my heart. And she's like, okay, it sounds fine. And she was like, oh, I'll take your blood pressure. She took my blood pressure and it was 180 over 100. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and she, yeah. took, she took it manually. And I was like, oh, no, uh-uh. I don't know if I yeah. trust you right now. I love you. Yeah, but, but take me somewhere. And for anybody that's listening, out the recommended blood pressure is 120 over 80, I believe. So yeah. 180 over 100 is like stroke level, super high, like go see a doctor immediately, yeah. ER. Because my normal blood pressure is like 110 over 77. Like yeah. So yeah. for me, I was like, oh, and as a pharmacist, I know that this is a hypertensive emergency. Like I need to go. Yeah. So I was like, no, we got to go, go to CVS and get an electronic one. I need a second opinion. Yeah. So got another one. They brought it, came, brought it back and it was about the same. And I went mm-hmm. straight back to um, the hospital where I gave birth to the baby and I went to emergency and they admitted me back into the, um, what's it called? The, preg- like the pregnancy ward, the OB. Yeah ward so it was nice i actually had my same nurse who i gave birth with Oh, that's nice yeah so they did all like the preeclampsia workup and everything and i felt better um i was discharged three days later and i was pumping in the hospital which was a little weird um i was discharged three days later and that night my blood pressure was still high and i went back to the emergency room and at that point they gave me a lorazepam, which is a benzodiazepine for anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then my blood pressure went down. Was there any, like, as a pharmacist, like, was there any concern? Like, okay, they've given me this medication because I think that would give me more anxiety that I'm st- I'm pumping and I'm on medication. Does it, does it, um, is there a chance for the baby to also get, get get traces of the medication through the breast milk? Or I know that's getting into like nitty gritty details, so we don't have to if you don't want to. No, that no, that's fine. I mean, yeah, if, if you continuously take a medication, yeah, for sure. Um, but I had just taken it once, and I had enough milk at home to pass that through because it goes through your body. It doesn't. It doesn't last. I mean, yeah. those medications last um, many hours, but then afterwards they clear and it's fine. Yeah. Um, so I, so, I mean, plus at the time I wasn't worried about that. I was like, I don't want to have a heart attack and die. Then my baby won't have a mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so risk versus benefit is, um, is a really big deal when it comes to like prescribing medications for someone like there are medications that aren't supposed to be given in pregnancy, but you know, if it's, if it's going to keep the mother and the baby alive, then it's going to be given, mm. you know, um, regardless, you know? So, um, I, I was there, I got the Ativan, I felt better. I went home, my blood pressure was up and down. My preeclampsia lasted for eight weeks. So during those eight weeks, I had two medications I was taking, but I, like the side effects were a lot for me. So me being a pharmacist and knowing the medications, I was able to kind of titrate them to my body which Can you is, tell people what titrate means? And uh, me, because I don't know what titrate means. <laughs> like, it's kind of like, okay, it's like if you, like ibuprofen, people take ibuprofen. Like, you know, like, if you have a headache, you may need three ibuprofen. You may know that one is not going to work for you. Right. Or, you know, things like that. Like, you're, you're tight, you titrate up and down to where you feel 
Like this is working for me. Oh, like taking more or taking a little less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, or like, you know, doctors will do that with medications, like for, for blood pressure, like they do it a lot. Like they'll titrate it up, like cause someone's blood pressure might be high and they need like a higher dose, but they want to slowly like get there. Yeah. Um, so I was changing the medication. I use change instead. <laughs> I was changing the, the dosage because I was like, whoa, I felt crazy. Like one of them made, was making my heart rate really, really high, which was making me feel worse. And then the other one, it actually like made my scalp move. Like it didn't what? literally move, but it felt like it was moving. And oh, it was wow. just, I was super uncomfortable taking the medications and then I would look at my, I would take my blood pressure. I was like taking it every hour. My doctor's like, don't do that. Um, so I was taking it all the time and I was like, okay, I took the medication. I have these logs. I still have them. I have these logs of blood pressures. It's like I took the medication. I would look at my blood pressure. I was like, okay, no, it's not, it's not low enough. It's not working or something, you know, and I, from me, my background, I could do that, but yeah. I know that uh, like, people that are in the medical field aren't going to do that. Yeah. I mean, even if they could, they may not even, their mind might not even go there. Mm -hmm. You know, they think, you know, I trust my doctor. I trust what they, what they've given me. And I'm not saying don't trust. I'm just saying that everyone's different. And mm -hmm. so until you actually have something in your body, you just don't know. So, and the doctors don't know either and they, but they try their best you know, and usually do really good jobs, but they try their best to give you what's going to work for you. And then they move it up and down depending on how you're feeling or yeah, the titration, titrating. <laughs> yeah. The titration. So, um, you know, I felt like when I thought about wanting to go into like entrepreneurialism, I thought, what is my passion? Like, what would I be passionate about? And the number one thing, really the only thing that came to mind were was helping women with anxiety because it was such a long road for me. Like it's been 20 plus years. Like there were times when I would lay on the couch, like I'm not, like I can't, like how am I gonna live like this? Like this can't be healthy. Like I'm gonna either die prematurely or my quality of life is gonna decline. You know, it was like, I can't, I can't work like this. Like, how am I supposed to work? You know, and I feel like there, ha I can't be the only one that feels that way. So I feel like since it was such a huge part of my everyday life for so long that I want to be a resource to help other women, help other black women, especially. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, our families may not understand what's going on or they may just not mm -hmm. know who to talk to. So. Yeah, it's hard because like you feel that way and like it does kind of feel get to a point where you're like, dang, what? It's hard because you have anxiety. So you're already worried about, like you mentioned earlier, the impending doom of life in general. And then to go to somebody and ask for help, but also to think about, okay, how am I going to live the rest of my life? with this thing like with this thing that kind of like is this nosy neighbor that keeps coming and knocking at my door <laughs> every day <laughs> and I don't know when they're going to show up like I know they always show up at certain times like they always show up when I take the trash out or when they 
but sometimes they just show up for no reason that's i mean that's how i feel like my anxiety is like this yeah this lady just keeps coming over and i don't need her to come over but like, come over with the house is on fire but you don't need to be over here all the time <laughs> but um yeah it's and it's definitely hard when like nobody else has this nosy neighbor that you know about you know that nobody yeah. else in your in your like circle has a nosy neighbor like yours and so they're just like what she just there to help like it's fine just tell her to stop and you, <laughs> like I would have <laughs> if that was possible <laughs> right isn't yeah. that, you know it's just not that easy yeah so I want to talk a little bit about like now that you've kind of uh, made this this leap into working with with people and being an anxiety coach like how uh how how are you like what services are you offering i hate to say it like services but how no. are you like how are you helping um people and like what can if somebody wants to reach out like what can they expect so um i wrote i wrote my ebook it's called fighting fear um understanding generalized anxiety and panic disorders in minority women so it's kind of like a memoir slash educational that um dramedy romance <laughs> that film that we all need to sit and watch <laughs> yeah I, I I talk about the the men that were in my life because your significant other is a big part of your life yes you know, or the people that you've dated um so I I have that and then I every week I'm doing weekly webinars um and I will send you my information for that if anyone's interested yes um, and like we will be posting it on instagram like send them to me whenever you're doing them so we can post it make sure that people know about it who knows i might pop in one um <laughs> yes I, weekly webinars that's awesome that's awesome what is, what are some of the topics that you cover i know you mentioned one earlier but what are other topics that you cover right now i'm i'm doing emotional like how to heal and live successfully with emotional triggers that's what I'm doing right now, um, continuously. Um, and that's my focus. It's, it's kind of a long, it's, it, well, it's like an hour. It's kind that's of a long, long. Webinar, but we, we, we talk about like, it, it, it's really also decreasing anxiety. It just goes over four to five different ways that like things we can put in our toolkit. Yeah. Like, like the important stuff. Cause I feel like it's important, you know, cause if you, if you go to therapy or something like that, like you go there for an hour a week, but then you have the rest of the time to deal with it yourself. <laughs> yes. To deal with the impending doom on your own. <laughs> right. Like, could you leave me alone today? Please? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So um, for these webinars, obviously they're, they're online. Like mm -hmm. um, how do people like, is it, can you just sign up for one or do you have to sign up for like a series? What does that look like? No, no, you can just sign up for one. Um, okay. It's on my Instagram. My Instagram account is I am Dr. Chandra Smallwood. I know it's kind of long. <laughs> That's okay. Mine is Black Girls Have Anxiety too, so it's not nowhere near as long as that one. <laughs> and Smallwood is just Smallwood. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am also. I also have a confidence call. Like, if people want to contact me one on one on my website, and you know, it's to talk. And also I have a fear fighter program, which is a six week program where I go through six weeks of different topics with also with some therapists and some, I have a psych pharmacist and like 
just other people in the field um, that come in and do talks and we talk about sleep and food and um, try to identify different because there's a lot of different types of anxiety you know so like there's but the six common like we go through questionnaires and trying to identify them so at least you know if, if people know what they're dealing with they can kind of deal with it better and then yeah. if, if they need support like you know reach out to people there's a week about anxiety in women there's, there's um talks about anxiety in mothers um, so I really just try to hit things that I've dealt with, um, and yeah, and, and have people go through the program in order to come out as a more productive, like individual and human being, because like when you're trying to be productive and that lady is coming, knocking on your door, you're just like, right. That lady with the big A on her shirt, like, lady, can you leave me alone, please? One day. I'm busy. You're still here. (laughs) The panic attack is like her beating your door down, like at the back door, at the window. Like, that's the panic attack. It's like, bitch, go home. Go home. Um, Right, exactly. Yeah. it's, It's really, the goal is to use the techniques, the information to you know, to kind of get under control, to be more productive in the long run, to spend yeah. more time with kids, significant others, and and all that, and really think about the things that make that make them happy that they need to probably incorporate in their life. You know, because mothers are always like, I don't have any time, but you know, you have to take time. Yeah, you like, have you, to. You, have to. Mm-hmm. you know, if you want to live and be there for your family. And I want to go back. I know you said you do a confidence call as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about the one-on-one confidence call? Cause I'm, I feel like I know what it is, but there might be some people out here that are like, okay, that kind of like piqued my interest. When it comes to like mental health, you know, people, some people are more open like me. I don't care. I'll talk about everything. I don't care. But some, a lot of people don't feel that way. Um, So it's just a call, something quiet and calm where we talk about what you're going through and, you know, I just inquire, ask some questions um, and try to uh, try to decide how I can help you or if I think I can help you or recommend other things to help. Because as a pharmacist, like we're, you know, we're big on recommendations. So I want to find what's right for you. It's kind of like a discovery call. Let's, you know, kind of talk about you know, what you're dealing with and your support system you have and, you know, give resources of places you can go if, if I can't be of service. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So if, um, if you're interested, please reach out to Chandra. Um, please make sure to follow her on Instagram. Give us your Instagram one more time. Um, and anywhere else, uh, if people want to reach out where they can reach you. Yeah. So my Instagram is, I am Dr. Chandra Smallwood. Also, I want to add my phone number. So for anyone who's interested, they can send a text message with 1111, you know, that heavenly yes. intentional 11 number 11. <laughs> yes. to um, 310-310-807-3458. And I will send you a free copy of my book. And we can just, you know, talk and, you know, see what you're going through. 
and everything like that. I also have a website. It's drchandrasmallwood.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have a, a community group on Facebook that's geared towards not necessarily talking about anxiety because, I am I mean, that's there too, but really people putting in different ways that they, you know, that they are, they deal with their anxiety. Like, because mm-hmm. everyone has like their own little thing and it's kind of, it's kind of fun and interesting to see how people deal with, you know, what they deal with. Yeah, I love that. So make sure, make sure you guys reach out to her. Um, if you missed the number, I will make sure all of her information, Instagram, phone number with the code um, to make sure you can get that free ebook. If anything, uh, go ahead and just like shoot her a text now, get the free ebook. Um, all of her information, website and everything is going to be in the description below. Make sure you guys give Dr. Chandra a small wood, um, a, a follow on all those platforms, join her community. But thank you. I, I really appreciate you coming in today and like being um being vulnerable and kind of telling us about your own situation um but also how you're you're helping people now i think that's that's awesome like i said i want to make sure you i give you your flowers today i think the work that you're doing is is needed and i love seeing like i love seeing black women in these types of spaces that i mean you're in two different spaces like and your mom and like living your life so I think that's awesome. And I hope that you guys connect to her. We will definitely stay connected. Um, I might pop up in the webinar. Who knows? Um, I'll send you an email for it. Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> I would love that. But yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for for carving out some time on your weekend to talk to me. No, yeah. Thank you so much for having the podcast. It was it's just so awesome. Thank like, you. <laughs> to have somewhere to go for people to listen because we all love podcasts these days. Yes, I'm obsessed. It's the new soap opera. <laughs> it is. It is. Ah, I love it. I'm like, no wonder why it was like people were sitting next to the radio in the 1940s. Like I would have been sitting next to the radio all day yeah. listening. Because then you just like, you're picturing it in your mind rather than like looking. But one of these days, soon, I'll be on YouTube and you'll be able to actually see these things. But we're not on YouTube just yet. Um, but yeah. Make sure you follow Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. And give us a rating, please. I appreciate anybody that's already given us a rating. But if you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to, um, I appreciate if you give us a rating. Hopefully it's a good one. Um, And yeah, thank you for listening. But thank you again, Dr. Sandra Smallwood. Make sure you follow her. And I hope everybody has a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal.